Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I have a number of things that I want to talk to you about this morning. But before I do, um, as I was sitting here today, I, I had a thought that I would share before I got into the Word of God, but I want to read from Revelation 13. This particular scripture is talking about something that's not going to happen. It's already beginning to happen, and it wasn't until just recently I realized how close we were to this fulfillment. It's talking about the Antichrist, It says, he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs that he is permitted to perform on behalf of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the sword wound and yet lived. He was permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And this is the part I want you to see. And he requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. The one who had understanding must calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Um, This is way off my message today, but I I feel like I really needed to share it with you. Uh, Some time ago, I, well, a couple years ago, I had to start taking, taking a couple of serious drugs, heart medications, blood thinners, warfarin, and things like that. So my doctor really encouraged me to carry one of those uh, things on my wrist that in case I ever was involved in an accident, they would know that I was taking blood thinners and they could treat me accordingly. When I, well, I went online and I wanted to find something that I could wear nonstop, never have to take off. And so I, I bought this little black band and it has on it, it has a number like a password number and a website number where if I get in an accident, they can log in, and I can't speak, they can log into the website and get all my pertinent medical information. Well, the old band broke, so I asked them if they could replace it, because I never take it off. You can just leave it on all the time. It can wet and rain or whatever, shower with it. And I was setting it up again, and I realized that there was a chip in it. Now, I, I want to show you my phone here. This probably won't work because it never works when you want it to work. But my phone is, my phone is right here. All I need to do is take my phone and tap it, on, tap it on this thing here. And sure, yeah, there it worked. And all my information will come up. I think it's hooking up to the website. But... All my information, my name, the medications that I take, everything that they would need to know. And all they need to do is take it and tap their phone 
on this. They have to have the NFC turned on on their phone, which is a transmitter form. But what made me think is we're living in a day and age where it would not be unheard of for someone to say, you know what, let's get rid of your wallet, get rid of your cash, get rid of your credit cards. Uh, let's just, you won't even need a wallet because all your information will be on a little chip. Now, if you've got your, some of your phones like an iPhone now and like a Samsung, you can go to some stores and never even take out your wallet. You can just scan your phone underneath the scanner and it gets your card number and it, it completes the sale. Now, what I read here today was that in the Antichrist is going to cause everyone, both great and small, to take a mark on their hand or in their forehead. With that mark, that's what they'll need to buy or sell. When I first got saved, it seemed so far-fetched that was back in 1972 that that could ever happen. But now with technology, we're carrying chips already, not even aware of it. And so I guess what I'm saying, and I want to start my message with you this morning, is we're living at the very end time. If you were to see in the paper tomorrow that uh, they wanted to start putting chips in people's hands and their forehead to, to save them time and energy, especially medical, in the medical sense, my dog had a chip. They, all they had to do was scan the dog and it would tell them all about the dog. We need to wake up. For our redemption is drawing near and I know that the devil knows that his time is short. And he's going to do everything within his power to try to deter you from making it to heaven and especially trying to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and bring people to the Lord. Now, for the Lord to build up a church that is strong enough to resist the attack of the enemy, he has to build our strength and this morning, I want to talk about a little bit the difference between a temptation and a trial. And why do we have trials? And what does a trial do? And what happens if we, we leave our trial before we're finished? I wanted to start with Genesis, the third chapter, verse 3 and 4. I, I was thinking about this too. It's talking about the Garden of Eden. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, that's the first temptation. And I, I was thinking about the Garden of Eden, trying to figure out how big a, big a place it was. And nobody really knows for sure. We're not even sure if it is in the Middle East. We know that the Euphrates is there, but the other three rivers that were supposed to connect to the garden, we can't really locate the source of where the all four flowed out of. And of course, we understand that the flood of Noah probably changed the top topography of the land. So we say it's probably in the Middle East, but it could have probably been any place. 
But that's not important. I like to think of the garden as like the Kittle Moraine area, full of trees, a beautiful place. Even if the garden, was, the garden of Eden was only a uh, hundred or acres, or maybe a uh, thousand acres, and it was filled with trees, it would be very difficult to find the one tree that you couldn't eat from. Like if I were to tell you, I want you this afternoon, uh, between Highway 18 and all the way down to 59, the Kettle Moraine State Forest, I want you to find one tree. It's the one tree you can't have anything to do with, but you can have use all the other trees. You'd say, well, that'd be very hard. In other words, sin is like that. You purposely have to find a way to disobey God. It's not something that you stumble into. It's something that you determine. But God, we know, does not tempt you, but you are tempted when you're drawn away by your own lust and sin. Now, that's, that's not going to be my topic this morning, but I want you to know there's a difference between you going through a temptation and you going through a trial. God sends trials. You bring about temptations. James, in his epistle, uh, I want to look at James this morning. He really focuses on the theme of faith. Uh, he presents the fact that full-hearted faith or complete faith will bring about characteristics like Christ. Example, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, if you hear the word and you don't obey it, you deceive yourself. No one deceives you, but you deceive yourself. But we need to hear and we need to do. Eve deceived herself when she made the decision to disobey God. She deceived herself when she thought if she ate the forbidden fruit that she would be like God. And the devil planted that thought in her mind, but she followed it. Now, this is a real interesting portion of Scripture in James 1. I'm going to jump down to verse 2. Notice what James says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> Do you notice the word fall? Do you know what happens when you fall? You lose control. I did that the other day. I was leaving the kitchen and I was on my way to work and we have a step from our kitchen down into the garage. And I wasn't planning on doing what I did but I missed, I forgot about the step, and I had my arms full of stuff, and I fell, and I knew I was falling. You ever been there? I'm falling, and I can't do anything about it. And the next thing I knew, I was looking at the muffler underneath the car, because I was going so fast, but see, that's how trials come. Sometimes, like James says, when you fall 
into various trials, and you just can't control what's happening. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That verse is loaded with information. You're going to fall into all different types of trials in your life. But he wants you to know that the, these trials are for the testing of your faith. Because if we're not strong, we cannot resist. If we are not wise, we cannot know. So that he says, James says, you should be happy when you fall into these trials because your patience is going to be produced by your testing. But he says, don't run away from your trial. But let patience, let it. Let your patience, what is patience? It's waiting. Do you like to wait? Do you ever go to a restaurant and get up and leave because nobody waited on you? Yeah, I have. Why? Because I was impatient. I expected to be served. Trials are like that. We sometimes wait on God to do something for us, but, and we want to get up and leave. I'm leaving. The Bible says, don't leave your trial. Be patient. Let your faith complete the work or the reason that you're in your trial. Every trial that you have is designed for a purpose. And it says that once the work is perfect or completed, you will lack nothing. Example, Job, was that a trial? Didn't he want to get out of the trial? Absolutely. Affected his family, affected his health, affected his wealth. But in the end, because he was faithful to the very end of the book of Job, did he lack anything when it was completed? His he had another family, he gained his wealth, he gained everything back. But what was present after the trial of Job that wasn't there before? That trial revealed his character to him. Now, you know, we can all be like Job, and when we start our trials, we can be braggarts. Yea, those skin worms destroy this body. I'll still worship God. Praise God. But after the first week and the second week and the third week, our hands don't go as high, and our voice quite isn't, so, isn't quite so loud. And then we start to do what Job did, it would be better if I'd have never been born. God, why do you do this to me? But see, patience must have its perfect work. If we are going to fight the enemy or the devil, we better thank God for trials in our life, and we better rejoice when they come because they make us stronger. And you'll have them. Now, James is teaching just what the Lord taught him because if I went back to Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 10, 
Notice what Jesus says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How would you ever think that persecution would make you feel blessed? Notice what it says in the next verse. Blessed are you, oh, this is great, when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What kind of a spirit should be manifested in tribulation or trial? Rejoicing. Remember Paul when he, when he was in the, Philippi, the jail in Philippi? Paul and Silas? They were being persecuted. They had been beaten and they were locked up. What did they do in their chains? They rejoiced. They sang. They felt honored that they were being persecuted like the founder of their faith. See, the Bible talks about that if I take part in his sufferings, I'll also take part in the good things of his, the relationship with Christ. We're buried with him in death that we might rise up new creatures in Christ. Let's compare another couple of scriptures from James to Jesus' teaching in Matthew. These are the qualities that you're going to need in a trial. James 1, 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I'm teaching you how you need to react to your trial. Be careful how quick you are to speak. And be careful how quick you are to get angry. Because those types of responses, according to James, does, do, they do not produce the righteousness of God. Matthew 5.22, notice the response that Jesus has in the Gospels. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in the danger of the council, but whosoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. What Jesus is saying is, be careful how you become angry because you may not have a cause. Why are you angry? If you're angry with God without a cause, if God is trying to build something up in your life and he's trying to help you through what you're going through, why would you be angry with him? You know why? And I'm speaking just like you from experience because I've had my trials and I'm in my trials. I don't like it because I am not in control of what's happening. And I feel powerless. And I experience fear and anxiety because I cannot see what's up ahead. And if I could, I'd have no control over it outside of God. But that's what the Lord wants me to feel. 
He wants me to say, Lord, I can't do this. I rely on you through faith. And I will be patient because I know that you will bring to pass that for which I'm asking. That type of action glorifies God. We come to church and we say we want to glorify God. Well, most of the glorifying that you're going to do of God is the way that you live. When you show forth the righteousness of God through your action, that's when you're glorifying God. Verbal consent or identity isn't what God necessarily thrives on. Be not only hearers, but doers. Oh, this one's great. James then says in the fifth verse, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Have you ever been in that situation and you've said, Lord, give me wisdom? Now, I have to tell you the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Now, in the gifts of the Spirit, there are two different gifts. The word of knowledge, for instance, is education, knowing. Wisdom is the application of what I know. A lot of people are smart, but they're not wise. We have a lot of smart people that do dumb things. Now, Jesus talks about us asking for that wisdom. And he says in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse seven through 12, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Notice those are very uh, action words. Asking, seeking, knocking. If I'm knocking, do I knock just one time? And I'm guilty of this when I go to work. A lot of the residents that I deal with are really hard of hearing, and I'll knock on their door. And sometimes I can't go like this. (laughs) They didn't even hear it. So if I want to speak to them, what I have to do is I really have to salt the door. I have to shake it. It's a Samsung. It it won't break. They promised me. Thank you. That's what the Lord says. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Be aggressive. Don't be passive. We cannot be a passive, limp-wristed church. Our trials, I'm glad that you're going through a trial. Brother Kylie, how can you say that? Don't you know what my family's going through? Don't you see what you're going through? Aren't you exerting faith? Is that bad? Aren't you learning patience that you didn't have? Don't you see the changes that you're going through? 
14 years ago, 11 years ago, I make sure I'm right, I, cha- I actually in 2004, I started having some more serious medical problems. I would open heart surgery, and it just seemed like medically I had everything in the world start to go wrong. And I wondered why this body of mine was going through all of these changes from lung to heart to knees to intestines to everything else. And I, I, I have to be confessed, and I know I've said this, and I better get back to my message before I wander too far. But I used to say, how come me? My sister, for instance, she hardly ever goes to the doctor. My brother, he's always been healthy. But if you were to look on the list of my medical things, it, it'd read like an encyclopedia. But then I began to realize that when God called me into chaplaincy, he gave me a job at a hospital. And then he sent me to a hospice. And now I'm working back at the hospital in Waukesha Memorial, back, hired back there, and, and the Regency I realized that he was sending the trials my way for a reason. He was giving me the equipment that I needed to minister to the people that I would come in contact with. So I wouldn't have just sympathy. I'd have empathy and I'd have compassion. Thank God, thank you, Lord, for the trials you sent my way because they've changed how I relate to you and how I relate to people. That's what you need to learn. And sometimes, sometimes the trial doesn't stop. Sometimes the trial develops into multifaceted things. But you need to look at the trial as something that is going to produce in you a spirit and a character that will glorify God. Do you know what people see in you when you're going through a trial? They see what you're made up of. They see whether you can back up what you've been telling them. They read more from your struggle than they do from your blessings. And that's where you'll find that your greatest testimony will be outside the walls of this church through your trials. Matthew 7:24 Therefore whosoever hears the word these sayings of mine and does them I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. I was out the other day when the storm blew by. I can't remember even what day. I think it was Friday night. And that wind came up, and I mean it must have been blowing 50 or 60 miles an hour. The chairs were blowing around, and my bird feeder was gone. The birds are still looking for it. I wondered about the house. I wondered about the barn. I wondered about maybe a tornado or a twister because an eagle, we know a little bit about those things. But you know, my house stood. 
and my barns stood because it was anchored to a foundation. My foundation is in the rock so that when the trials come in my life, it's all about Jesus. It's not about the structure because the structure is worthless without the foundation. My life is the structure. The foundation that I stand on is Christ. As long as I'm anchored to the rock of Christ and I'm attached to his word and to his will, I don't care how strong the wind is or how hard the rain falls or how much the earth shakes. The rock stands. And if I abide in him, and he abides in me, there is not anything that I cannot go through. But it's when I move, and I move my house to off the rock to a place where I think it's more secure that I become like the next person. But who, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. What was Jesus trying to tell us? Yes, the poor and, and the wicked, will they'll have their temptations and trials too. But if they aren't founded upon Christ, those great structures that they've built the great businesses they've raised up, the great lives they've achieved, if they're not anchored in Christ, everything will be destroyed. And great will the fall be. How does God test your faith? How is he going to test your faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So the more faith you have, the more you please God. Wouldn't you agree with that? Without it, we can't please him. I would say the greater the faith, the greater the pleasure that God has in us. But how do I acquire greater faith? Do I get it during the song service? Do I get it when I hear the preaching of the word? Where does my faith get increased? Now, I know the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But Jesus said, be not only hearers, but doers. So I must connect with my hearing, my hearing with action. My faith comes from hearing the word of God, obeying it, and going through the trials of life. And I bake back that up with James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What does the trial do to your faith? Again, I say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Those trials that you've got, that testing that you're going through, will reveal the godly character that you have, or it will reveal the worldly pride, one or the other. What happens to your pride? I was thinking about this on my way to church this morning. I have, I have one thing that really sets me off, and I, I got to get over it. 
is when other drivers are rude. And I, when people signal me and do things to me and cut me off and all those things, I feel like they're, they don't think that I am important. I remember one time I was going to a funeral. I was all dressed up and I was looking for the funeral home and I slowed down a little bit to look at the building. I thought this was the place. And a guy behind me, he did every sign, honked his horn, yelled at me out the window. And I, I, saw, I was still driving 30 in a 35. And I wanted to forget the funeral and I wanted to chase him down and I wanted to tell him what I thought about his actions. What did that show me about myself? I said to God, I wish I could just shut it off. I wish I could just ignore it. I wish I could just not pay attention to it. God said to me, that's because of your pride. And it goes, it goes into a spiritual realm. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Do you see the correlation? I've, I've got to do the same thing that I do when I'm in the car. Those people that are accosting me with their verbal accusations, I need to just focus on the important thing, and that's on what I'm doing. I should have forgot him and said, yep, this is the place. Thank God, I found it. I'm on time. What's that that I hear? Do I hear a horn? Oh, I don't, I don't think I hear a horn anymore. Is someone yell? I don't hear anything anymore. Actually, that would irritate him more than me getting mad, to be honest with you. Your trials, let them accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. Don't try to get out of them. Because if you try to escape, God will bring you back until you pass. Why is it that we need endurance? James 1 and 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, notice this. Look at that scripture. I'm reading it from a different version. For when he is approved, what does that mean? In other words, when you've finished what you're supposed to finish, and God has approved of your action, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord God has promised to those who love him. God can bring you out of a trial just as fast as he brings you into one. But he's looking for something from you in your struggle that he can approve to show that you love him. And I'm watching the clock. I'm, let me go another five minutes. We really started late today. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Peter sounds just like James. They must have had the same teacher, huh? 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Oh my. I lost this or I lost that. I lost my job. I lost my business. I lost my health. I lost my wealth. Oh, that's not strange. This Don't think it's strange, the Bible says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 
Who receives the glory through the trials of your faith? Christ does. Because it shows his strength through your struggle. His strength through your struggle. He doesn't receive glory through your failures, through your whining, and through your departure from his word. He doesn't receive any glory. How are you going to glorify God this morning? Are you going to make it through your trial? Are you going to be silent and patient and trusting and enduring? Because Peter compares the trial of our faith to fire. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Actually, Job writes that. He knows the way. When I finish my trial, I'm going to come out as gold. And then it says, a crucible for silver and a smelter for gold, and the Lord is the tester of hearts. <laughs> is he testing you? Thank you, Jesus. Man does not know what lies within his heart until it's broken open and it's cast into the fire. And then the true nature of man is revealed. You ever watched a preacher? And it could be anyone, not just a preacher. It could be somebody that you really respected. And all of a sudden you're with them and you see something that you never saw before. I was with a preacher in Virginia Never met him. I met him one time in, in Utah at a conference that I was at, and he invited me to come out and preach for him in Del Mar, Delaware. And then we were going to look at some churches that were open in Maryland and, and uh, Virginia. I was with him, and we drove by these people. These, it was a, war, a really poor white area, and he said something to me. I could not believe he said it. And I'm not going to even tell you what it was about these people. And I said, wow, he's an elder. He's a senior. But you know what? Inside there of us, there, all of us have things that we don't want people to know about. But sometimes God says, I'm going to crack it open. I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to purge your life with fire. All those things that you're wrestling with, those little flies and mosquitoes and spiritual gnats, he says, I'm going to give you power over them, but it's going to be through my strength and not your cunning. Oh, God, help me to figure this out. How can I do this? i got to figure it out. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined, though refined by fire, may result. Notice this. Your trial may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where does the revelation come at the end? I look back now and I see why. That's the revelation of God. But through that time of struggle, if I lived a life of integrity, I produced, through my struggle, praise, glory, and honor. 
and it went to God. Just remember, God's not tempting you to sin. James 1, 13 and 14, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted by when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. I'm talking about falling. Eve, for instance, who was tempted, made the trip. She searched for the tree. That's how you get into sin. That's a willful act on your part. God doesn't have any part of that. But trials are something that you fall into. You have no control over. And those are the places where God builds your character. I'm going to try to hit just a couple highlights here, and I'm going to close. James 2.13, For judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment without mercy brings death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But the mercy of God triumphs over the judgment pronounced for sin to those who show mercy. I was thinking about this when I wrote it. You ever hear the song? I think it was by um, Phillips Craig and Dean. Mercy came a-running like a prisoner set free. The thing that, and I got to stop. I think this is where the Lord wants me just to shut down. Take God's mercy. Have you said, have mercy upon me, O oh God? Mercy, Lord, help me through mercy. That's not begging, that's praying. But God said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some if you'll give some. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall see God. If I show mercy, God gives mercy. If I give love, God gives love. Do you see how it works? We're asking for something from God, and God's saying, if you'll give what you have, I'll replenish your stock. You want patience? Be patient. Be patient with other people. All right, let's stand. I think, I think, Brother Russ, of, of what you're going through, I had basically the same surgery that Brother Russ had, so I can empathize with it, except he didn't get a pig bone in his back, and I got one. That's why I eat so much, by the way. But I know that sometimes when you go to bed when he's suffering, you can't get comfortable because the pain is always there. And I'm speaking to you tonight. Some of you are going through a trial where the pain just doesn't go away. I know with, I got a bad couple knees, but when I lay down at night, generally after a while the pain goes away. But some of you, it doesn't give you a place of regeneration. You're struggling, and it just doesn't give you a time to regenerate. 
I want you lift up your hand in the bed and say, God, thank you for the trial that you're sending me through because when it's all done, I'll be a different person. But I'm still going to rejoice in what I'm going through. I'm still going to be patient. I know that you're creating in me something that's going to be a benefit for the kingdom of God. But Lord, right now, could you just send a reprieve? Would you just let the peace of God fall upon me, Lord, so I can rest? I've done it myself. I've lifted up my hands when I felt like I couldn't get away from what I was going through. And I would just say, peace, God. Peace like a river. And then I begin to feel it a little bit like a drop of rain. It just starts to fall upon my, my thirsting, charred heart. And I say, thank you, Lord, for the drop. Is there another one coming behind? And pretty soon the rain begins to spatter down. It starts to rain like a, like a storm of refreshing. And I thank God for the oasis. I know when I get up, possibly, unless God delivers me tomorrow morning, I'll face the same thing. But knowing that God cares and what I'm going through is something that's going to benefit him and the kingdom of God. Go for it, Lord. I rejoice in my suffering. I know it's not strange for this thing to be happening to me. But help me to accomplish the purpose for the trial. Time slow to anger. Don't you get mad at God. Don't you dare get mad at God. He loves you so much, you could never imagine the depths of his love for you. But he knows the devil wants to kill you. The devil wants to deceive you. The devil wants to drive you away from the promises that God's got for you. And the Lord says, the only way he'll do it is by learning to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to fight the fight of faith. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do it. You can do it. This is not a sad message. This is a message of encouragement. You're going to be strong and victorious when it's accomplished. And then Paul says, I know when I finished my course, when I finished my trial, that God is going to have a crown of righteousness, not only for me, but all those who love is appearing. I just need to endure to the end to be saved. Lord Jesus, this morning, Lord, I, I pray that something that's been said has encouraged a weary soul. I pray, Lord God, that you would allow us to see.
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.